the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about how we make decisions and how we've been making decisions throughout the COVID period and also observing politics and our day-to-day activities. And who better to talk to than someone who is a decision scientist? We have from Seattle, Washington, Dr. Uh, Kabiri and Dr. Nika Kabiri. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Well, I never heard of a decision scientist. Uh, tell us about a decision scientist and how how is that something we can use in our day-to-day lives? Yeah, so um, decision science is just simply put, the study of human decision-making. Um, it has two parts to that. One is how to make really good decisions. So a lot of decision scientists rely on a lot of data or evidence um, and use statistical modeling to help either businesses, governments, organizations make choices that are optimal for them. Minimal risk, um, minimal regret, all of that. And then the other part of that is really to make good decisions, you have to understand how decision-making goes wrong. So the other side of that study is understanding the way the brain works, the way we implement um, biases as we make our choices or make mental shortcuts or take mental shortcuts as we make our choices, Um, the way we're influenced by our social context, like the bandwagon or um, social norms things like that. So um, ideally, it's, it's really just trying to help people make better choices um, so we don't keep ending up in the same messes we end up in over and over again. Now, in my brief contact with a psychologist and looking at what, what does it take to have a person make a decision, uh, there are certain statistics, and like you say, there's a science involved in how the human brain works so that it's not totally random that people make decisions, but there's somewhat of an expectation that the human brain will function in a certain way that has a certain amount of predictability to it. And we're pretty helpless uh, in dealing with that. We may not even know what's happening. Uh, What are some of the things that you've been seeing out there that would surprise most of us laymen that um, we're pretty uh, helpless in controlling? Yeah, so um, it 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 feels hopeless to think we're helpless. <laughs> it's an, it's <laughs> oh, well unfortunate said. to think of things that way. Um, I like to think of it in a different way, which is that our brains are really wired for efficiency. Like, I don't think the human race would have made it this far if we weren't able to make decisions rapidly or um, to take the shortcuts that we need to take. I mean, if you can imagine, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, 
um, you know, you're out on the plain or in the jungle or wherever, and, you know, and a wild animal is approaching, um, but you don't see it. You just hear something. If you were to stop and think rationally about that situation and gather evidence and do the right research and weigh your pros and cons, you'd be eaten before you, you made it out alive. So, you know, there is something, it's not hopeless. It's not out of control. I mean, there's a real reason for the way that we function, that we're very efficient. But then fast forward to today and we, we implement those same efficient strategies in decisions that we make that really shouldn't be made so efficiently, that maybe we should be a little bit inefficient. We should slow down. We should think things through a little bit more. So, uh, but we don't. And so, for instance, just even just mundane stuff, like staying in a job that you don't like, you think it's a choice that you're staying there. We like to think that maybe we're putting, you know, we're putting some effort into making that choice sometimes. Um, but, but a lot of times it's just inertia. It's like we have this mental shortcut in our brains. It says, well, I haven't left yet. So there must be some reason why I shouldn't leave now. Um, and we end up kind of not being in, in better situations than, than we could be. Um, and that's just one example of, of, of that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's in, in law. also not. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, in law, and I, I know you also have a Juris Doctor degree. Congratulations. I'm a lawyer also. So yep. thank you for being on, on the, uh, the good side. <laughs> being a, but, you know, some, some, of, the, some of the thoughts uh, in, in law, especially dealing with juries, there's one theory that lawyers should uh, attempt to present their case and address it to the reptilian part of the human brain. That's the part of the mm -hmm. brain, of course, that if uh, you hear something in the brush and you think it might instantly be like something that's going to eat you, uh, immediately mm -hmm. goes from the brain to your adrenaline and you get a shot of adrenaline in less than a second. Uh, so there's certain ways you can somewhat manipulate the pattern or the order in which people are delivered knowledge. But putting that all aside and assuming for a moment that we do have a body of predictable science involved, with regard to decision making, we we talk. We've been talking on this show for like months now, for ten months, about COVID nineteen, and mm -hmm. we have we have this big division as to some people even saying it, it doesn't even exist as being any worse than the common cold. Yet we're faced with reputable statistics indicating that we have millions of people who have it. We have hundreds of thousands of people who die from it in this country. Where is this big, big disconnect? And, and where I come with the big disconnect is this. People who are ordinarily logical, people who uh, wouldn't buy a house and take out a big mortgage without thoroughly investigating the rational probabilities involved in buying a house, uh, so easily disregard the CDC, the Departments of Health of all the states, and accept these uh, conspiracy theories that this is all a conspiracy. The idea of COVID-19 is not real. It's a government plot. And there's very little, if any, evidence of it. How can people so quickly abandon those uh, those things that they normally rely on and accept these theories? Right. Well, first, I just want to say that people are a lot less rational when they buy homes than, than you might <laughs> suggest. But putting that putting that aside, um, I mean, imagine, just try to go back to when COVID first appeared on the scene 
we nobody really knew a lot about it. We, a lot mm-hmm. of us, even scientists, were kind of perplexed as to what this was. And that kind of, and we all were talking about, oh, we live in times of uncertainty. And we heard that a lot, but it was, it was really, really true. When we have very limited information, we, we are much less likely to, um, or sorry, let me say, we're much more likely to immediately latch on to some understanding, some explanation that A, is reasonable, and B, alleviates that uncertainty. Um, so some of the beliefs that people have now about COVID, with all the information that we have now, these beliefs didn't form now. They formed, perhaps, I'm, 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 I very strongly believe they formed very early on and persisted through today. So once you have very little information, your first bit of information that you hear, and this is where this is very critical, is, oh, it's just like the flu. Um, when you have, you know, people in your network, people you trust, people in positions of power that you trust who are telling you this is nothing worse than the flu, um, and there are enough of those people, you're likely to say, well, they can't all be wrong, right? And it kind of makes sense. Like, it's a reasonable conclusion to draw. This is just another virus. Um, and then you kind of start to believe that. And the more people in your network, and this is where networks really matter, the more people you know who believe it, the more likely you're going to believe it. And then over time, confirmation bias kicks in. And confirmation bias is really just the phenomenon where we dismiss evidence that contradicts what we believe. We might say, oh, the government is just, there's a conspiracy to cover something up. Um, some explanation that just kind of explain away what contradicts what they believe. And then they'll go online and do a keyword search at Google that says the, you know, COVID is like the flu and they'll see exactly what they want to see. And that reinforces their belief. So it's, it's not just something that happened in a, happens in a moment. It happens over time. And, and now here we are. Well, and that, that's part of the problem because I, I think in the past, going back decades, when uh, even before the news media changed from having three networks and three 630 national news broadcasts to having uh, literally uh, 50 to 100 different national uh, news websites, and not just websites, but uh, but broadcasts and so on, we, we run into a problem as to who do you trust. You, you used the term trust mm-hmm. earlier. And it was easier to trust when we had fewer things to to trust. We had fewer sources. And the question is, now we have so many sources, which ones do we gravitate to? And uh, and we'll come back, we're going to take a short break here in a moment. But what bothers me is that people who have grown up and become successful, and they're intelligent, and they've done that by relying upon authoritative sources so willingly, give up those authoritative sources for fantastic explanations without evidence. Uh, I'd like to talk about how, how intelligent people can come to those conclusions. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Dr. Nika Kabiri from the University of Washington, a decision science specialist. And we'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. Hi, I'm 
Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of the Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. Hi, this is Nick Phillips for Cloud9IT. That's cloud with a K. And you can find them online at flatfeeit.com or call them at 844-CLOUD9IT. Cloud9IT is here to help you during the coronavirus. Business owners have had to stay open and make a lot of changes to stay up and running. And Cloud9IT can help provide you with a secure way for your team to work from home. Whether it's a remote desktop or a cloud phone system, Cloud9IT will keep your business open and profitable during these difficult times. You have enough on your plate. Let Cloud9IT handle your IT. Call my friends at 844-CLOUD9IT or visit them at flatvit.com. Don't forget, Cloud9IT. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Are you ready for a mouth-watering steak fixed the way you want it? Treat yourself to a tried-and-true steakhouse, Ferris Steakhouse, family-owned and a fixture in Cleveland for over 80 years. Located at 2589 Worcester Road in Fairview Park, COVID-safe, with patio dining and a full menu, try Ferris Steakhouse. Enjoy eating at the restaurant or take it to go. Check out Ferris Steakhouse online at ferrissteakhouse.com. You can count on Ferris Steakhouse. See you there. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. We're talking to Dr. Nika Kabiri. She is from the University of Washington, a decision scientist, uh, talking about human behavior and what makes us decide things the way we decide them. And uh, we've been talking about the components of human thought that gets us to do things. And the last question before the break was along the lines of how do intelligent, rational people easily abandon authoritative opinions and beliefs in exchange for uh, wrapping their arms around fantastic, literally fantastic uh, theories without very little, if any, scientific or authoritative uh, explanation how, how do how do smart people get into this yeah um, I 
think it's important to note that we all could, I mean, we, any, any one of us at any moment can believe a story that isn't true. It doesn't have to be a conspiracy theory. It doesn't have to involve lizard people in the government or laser beams from outer space, but we've all believed something that isn't true at some point or another. And the reason for that is, is a universal reason. It's the same reason in people who are educated and understand, you know, evidence and the value of evidence might believe something like that, um, which is very simply, it, it feels better. I mean, it, it's an emotional management tool to believe in something that um, can alleviate stress, reduce the uncertainty, reduce the anxiety. Wouldn't it be great if COVID was just like the flu? Like that would be really, really great. And if I could go through life with that belief system, with that belief, and reject anything to the contrary, then my life suddenly feels a lot easier. And I think we all have this tendency to believe things, we all do, that we want to believe rather than what, you know, the harsh reality is. Oh, yeah, I, um, I just thought of the harsh reality yeah. part is that I would think there's a certain element of a natural willingness to abandon harsh realities in exchange for anything that gives us more hope. And uh, right. like you say, with COVID-19, if it were really true, if we really closed our eyes and hoped and wished a lot that this was no worse than the common cold, that that would be so. But we have the rational side of the brain that says that's not the case. We've grown up listening to scientific authority. And right. I, I'm still not, not sure I understand why people will even try to defend some of these theories that there's no support of. And it's not just in medicine, but it's like in elections and in politics and in, in other issues where people have a chance to voice their opinions. We seem to have a plethora of opinions floating around about everything mm -hmm. nowadays. And you, you could really find your own source for the opinion that you subscribe to and uh, and go mm -hmm. along with, with that and, and surround yourself in a bubble of people who all agree with you. Uh, what what's the best strategy for someone who wants to remain rational in, in these times? Is, um, yeah, there's just a, I, it's really interesting. Some of the things you're saying are really making me think because, yes, it's very true that intelligent people like who value evidence um, still believe in things that aren't true. I think what they're doing is they're finding their own evidence, like what they're seeing and reading feels like evidence to them. So they're still going through that same process of collecting data and gathering information. They're just getting information through um, through different means, through you know sources that aren't authoritative, perhaps. Um, and then mistrust of government, mistrust in general, has has been at an all-time high lately, I think. And um, and yeah, that's something that that could change over time. You can go to university and read authoritative texts, and then become you know older and more wise or what have you, and then suddenly distrust, you know, the same sources you, you trusted before. So there is some dynamic inconsistency there. Um, do you want to remain rational? Learn about the laws of probability. And it sounds really terrible. And this is very painful. And it sounds so boring. But uh -oh. um, think about Go the ahead. world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> think about I'm this ready. Is what keeps me sane. This is what keeps me sane every day. To think about the world in terms of conditions. Like, if instead of asking yourself as you go through life, is this possible or isn't this possible? Maybe ask under what conditions might, be, might this be possible? For instance, what would need to happen 
in order for there to be a conspiracy of lizard people who are infiltrating the government? Like what, what would have to happen in order for that to occur? And once you start looking for evidence of that or digging into information of that, you see how absolutely difficult it might be to look, to see, to imagine where that could be possible. So it's really about doing, in, doing the research to, to, to test it, not just dismiss it or, or accept it, but to really pressure test it. So when might this be a good idea? When might this be possible? Um, and then hmm. the second thing, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Hmm. No, I'll, I'll come back to lizard people in a moment, but let's hear the second thing. Yeah, the second thing is what are the chances? And, and a lot of times conspiracy theories are really appealing because they don't tell you what's happening. They kind of ask you a question and leave it open. Like, have you ever wondered why there wasn't, you know, there weren't huge, you know, pieces of debris at the Pentagon after 9-11? You wonder why in this photo you don't see any real plane, you know, pieces of like an airplane lying around. And they just sort of leave it to you to sort of make that, to draw that connection between, well, there wasn't a plane there. That's why, when really there could be a million other reasons. So what are the chances that there was never a plane? And what are the chances, though, that there was a plane? What are the chances that the alternative could be true? And if you think about both sides, which lawyers are supposed to do too, right, to buttress their own case, you have to think about risk. Yeah, that, that the could other, be a yeah. problem also. <laughs> How so? Tell me. Oh, we look like chameleons. Uh, I mean, what side do you want me to argue? I can I can cherry pick the facts that are out there that a lot of people believe, and uh, you know, cite them on one side of an argument or on another side of an argument. So there's always enough, and that's part of the problem with if you watch uh, media, you you watch uh, MSNBC, and then you flip over to yeah. Fox. You think you're listening to two different worlds, uh, two parallel universes that are are in in real time coexisting. But what happens if you listen to Fox and you listen to it in detail, you can actually pick up arguments that sort of make sense. And then you go to MSNBC and you can sort of pick up arguments that sort of make sense there. And the talking heads or the newscasters on both of those networks they all look the same, and they all sound the same. So when you're receiving input from either of these two news sources, what you're receiving is pretty logical-sounding stuff. And if you only listen to one or the other, you're going to be living in your own bubble of reality. And uh, with that, uh, go ahead. 100%. That's why you have to listen to it all. That's why you have to force yourself through it all, because the more diverse the information is that you that you input the the harder it will be to to you know just latch on to one thing but but that's the problem i i told some people when there's a question and uh the the, the conservatives and the liberals are at odds with it uh me as an individual who has a life to conduct with other things to do i can't take a year off and do an in-depth research project, like writing a, a master's right. or a doctoral thesis on that subject. And it almost seems like there's just this unending series of conflicting opinions and theories explaining stuff we all have to deal with. And so it just do leaves I, us all being frustrated. Do I have time to ask you a question? Oh, yes. 
unusual, but I'll be um, happy to. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm always curious because it there. I feel like people, we as it's human, this, you're really getting down to human nature and the flaw of human nature um, that we have these just innate flaws in our in our ability to really see things rationally or or completely. Do you feel like? Do you believe that it's difficult for people to to just live in the gray, to just live in this space in their minds where they don't know and they're okay with not knowing? Or do you, is it more like we just need to have an answer, even if it's the wrong answer? Well, thanks for asking me the question, because it's not often that I get asked questions from guests. So usually I'm the <laughs> questioner, but I appreciate the opportunity to respond. We, we have about a minute to go, so we'll, we'll wrap with my answer. Um, and, and the question is, uh, when we have fewer choices to make, if we're presented with something that sounds logical and it sounds reasonable, and we're hearing it from trusted, reliable sources, we're very comfortable with accepting that and incorporating those conclusions into our day-to-day -day life, and we're very comfortable. When we have the left and the right talking about totally different things, uh, we we have a problem because I my feeling is is that when it, we boil down to it, we're all living in an illusion, and you can just just look back at some of the main things that hit the uh, media years ago. Like say the Challenger disaster. Even though we're walking around the same place, we feel very bad. But we all as a community feel very bad. But but in any event. Uh, I think that we do live in an illusion, and we're very uncomfortable when we don't have clear answers. And we are out of time with Dr. Nika Kaberi. We're going to have to have you on oh, again man. because the, the the discussion is very intriguing because it's going to help us uh, survive. We're, we're going to uh, thank Dr. Kaberi, and uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. WHK, Cleveland. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. Hi, this is Nick Phillips for Cloud9IT. That's cloud with a K. And you can find them online at flatfeeit.com or call them at 844-CLOUD9IT. Cloud9IT is here to help you during the coronavirus. 
business owners have had to stay open and make a lot of changes to stay up and running. And Cloud9 IT can help provide you with a secure way for your team to work from home. Whether it's a remote desktop or a cloud phone system, Cloud9 IT will keep your business open and profitable during these difficult times. You have enough on your plate. Let Cloud9 IT handle your IT. Call my friends at 844-CLOUD9IT or visit them at flatfeeit.com. Don't forget, Cloud9IT. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Are you ready for a mouth-watering steak fixed the way you want it? Treat yourself to a tried-and-true steakhouse, Ferris Steakhouse, family-owned and a fixture in Cleveland for over 80 years. Located at 2589 Worcester Road in Fairview Park, COVID-safe, with patio dining and a full menu, try Ferris Steakhouse. Enjoy eating at the restaurant or take it to go. Check out Ferris Steakhouse online at ferrissteakhouse.com. You can count on Ferris Steakhouse. See you there. Welcome back to Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the next two segments, we're happy to welcome back Nan Baker, a consul person on the Cuyahoga County Council, to bring us an update on what's going on here at Cuyahoga County with regard to not only COVID but the financial situation of the county. Uh, Nan, thank you for joining us, as always. Yes, thank you for having me again. I, I enjoy uh, talking with you and trying to keep uh, your listeners updated. If nothing else, it helps us pass the time, because it seems like we're talking all the time, but it's weeks apart, so the time is flying a little bit. It uh, is. So and, um, yeah, we are seeing some improvements uh, every time we talk, so that, that, that's a good thing. Yeah, so getting more positive feedback and more positive information is always good. And, of course, you know, we've been struggling with COVID. How are we doing here in Cuyahoga County with uh, vaccinations and catching people up on that? Right. Well, we are we're, we're moving forward, not as uh, quickly as we would like. We do have uh, many vaccination sites um, prepared and ready to serve. As we talked last time, the issue is the uh, amount of vaccines that are available to us. So, unfortunately, we are still in the rationing mode of uh, taking care of those that are most in need. Of course, those that are 80 or older and uh, those in their 70s. And now we're at the category of 65 or older. So, those are the main people right now, outside of some exceptions with those that uh, perhaps have some illnesses or health issues that put them ahead, and also our schools with our uh, teachers and, and other um, staff like custodial and bus drivers that are also being put ahead. Uh, but outside of that, anyone under 65 is still waiting, and those over 65, unfortunately, until the vaccines become more accessible, are on a waiting list. But that all is is coming. I mean, we can see the progress. 
we got put behind a bit because of the weather uh, with the traveling of, of vaccines. But those are all temporary issues. Uh, we, I've heard from the leaders on the federal level that we should be good to go come April, going into May, that those that want it, it should be accessible for them to get it. Um, that's, and that's all good news that uh, is on the forefront right now and making sure that people get the vaccinations that they need to help them get back to their, what we used to call our normal lives. <laughs> wow. Well, we've, we've weathered, weathered it through about 11 or 12 months already. Uh, yeah. Waiting till April uh, shouldn't be that much more difficult uh, or a longer wait. But if I'm hearing right. you correctly, it sounds that by April, we should have uh, an open vaccination for anyone who wants it, who's over 18. Is that what we're doing yet? Over 18? Over 18. And you know that it's somewhat speculation. You hear, depending on who you would listen to, as to whether or not April is the day. From what I'm hearing, it looks like April going into May. Uh, it should be widely accessible. Uh, there are others that are more cautious. Um, we have other uh, vaccination manufacturers like J&J &J that are also coming into getting their approval. And that is a one-shot vaccination. So that's, uh, that's good news. So I, I think that we will get past this um, lack of uh, access and we will be more into making sure that those that are holding back, and that also is an issue, making sure that people feel that they can trust this vaccine and take it and know that they are helping themselves and helping others at the same time in ultimately uh, achieving herd immunity. And that's what the ultimate goal is. Do we, do we have any figures on what percentage of people are trusting the vaccine and accepting the vaccine now? I remember there was a low number to begin with when people were unsure about uh, how how much efficacy there was with the vaccine and uh, whether or not it was trustworthy. But that number seems to have been going up and more people are accepting it now. Do you have an idea about how many people are accepting it? Yeah, I, I believe you're right. And from what I just read, there's about a third of the population that is still holding back. And a third is, you know, that means that two-thirds are willing to take the vaccine. And I think as people see others take the vaccine, get their lives back, enjoying the outdoors and, and some of the events and things that we haven't been able to enjoy, that will also give others the confidence to go and receive the vaccine. It's nothing like seeing others do what you want to do. <laughs> and the barrier oh, sure. is protecting yourself. Yeah. Well, for sure. So as we're watching that, uh, in anecdotally, just talking to people generally about the vaccines, uh, I'm not hearing as many really wild uh, uh, types of stories and wild types right. of uh, problems, but I'm hearing more of people who are holding back are nervous about uh, whether or not the side effects are serious or whether it's really going to work. So I think you're right. When people get to see how this plays out, uh, and and how safe it actually is. And we're, of course, assuming it's going to be safe because we trust the authorities, and uh, they better be right because right. there's no room for, me, for being wrong here. Exactly. But, uh, and so. many that are taking it themselves as examples. 
So, you know, when you see your leaders taking this and giving you the confidence that if I take it, it's good for you to take it too. I mean, leading by example is always the best way to show that uh, this is the right thing to do. The concerns we have now that we are thinking that that vaccines are going to be abundant is how are we going to serve all the people that have not yet been vaccinated? And that could be, you know, even in Cuyahoga County, if you deduct those that are 18 and under and those that we've already vaccinated, we still could be talking five, 600,000 people. So to achieve that herd immunity that we're talking about for anybody over 65 and under 65, uh, they're now talking about mass vaccination sites that uh, make it easier for people to go and not have to be registered and appointments made and waiting for the call and all of those particulars that we're going through now because the vaccination uh, is hard to get. But once it becomes accessible and we're getting into nice weather and people want to get the want to be vaccinated, having enough uh, availability of being able to give it to them is a concern. I think that it's starting to percolate and we're starting to read stories about um, the governor talking to First Energy Stadium, for instance, in um, thinking about those large areas that people can go and easily get a vaccine, maybe drive through, maybe wait in line. It's hard to say what they're what they're thinking, but that's all good news because it shows that we're being proactive in trying to figure out how we can finally get in front of this vaccine instead of chasing it. Well, well, just to share a story with us now, uh, my own experience, I had our first shot and uh, just went online to schedule the second shot. And it was very easy to schedule the second shot. There are a lot of openings. Uh, uh, to get your second shot, it's not going to be as difficult uh, to okay. schedule something convenient. Good. Well, you have to have the second shot, I believe, within three or four weeks. So that's probably set up that way so that there's no wasting of the first shot that uh, you get fully vaccinated. You're already you're in the program. So we need to make sure you follow through. That's good to seems know. To, now, that's, uh, it seems, seems, seems to be fairly efficient. Uh, when you get your first shot, you're given a card with the name of the vaccine you received being Moderna or Pfizer. And then you're given a specific website to go to when it's time to schedule your second shot. So it's an exclusive website just for that. You go to it and you pick your time and location, and it's it's much smoother than that first shot. Well, that's really, that's, that's very good news. And I'm glad that we're talking about the second shot. You know, that's all, all that is progress. That's so different than we were even a month or two months ago when we were uncertain about how this was going to be managed. That's very good news. But keep in mind, there are hundreds of thousands of people, and across Ohio, of course, millions of people that we're going to have to give their first shot to, and then again their second. So it's a a massive scale that uh, we are looking towards now when that vaccine becomes readily available to anybody who wants it as if they were getting the flu shot. Uh, so that's- well, that's good. We're, 
We're going to come back uh, and explore that a little more. We're talking to Cuyahoga County Councilperson Nan Baker, giving us an update on what's going on here in Cuyahoga County. So we'll be back after these words. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. Hi, this is Nick Phillips for Cloud9IT. That's cloud with a K. And you can find them online at flatfeeit.com or call them at 844-CLOUD9IT. Cloud9IT is here to help you during the coronavirus. Business owners have had to stay open and make a lot of changes to stay up and running. And Cloud9IT can help provide you with a secure way for your team to work from home. Whether it's a remote desktop or a cloud phone system, Cloud9IT will keep your business open and profitable during these difficult times. You have enough on your plate. Let Cloud9IT handle your IT. Call my friends at 844-CLOUD9IT or visit them at flatvit.com. Don't forget, Cloud9IT. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Are you ready for a mouth-watering steak fixed the way you want it? Treat yourself to a tried-and-true steakhouse, Ferris Steakhouse, family-owned and a fixture in Cleveland for over 80 years. Located at 2589 Worcester Road in Fairview Park, COVID-safe, with patio dining and a full menu, try Ferris Steakhouse. Enjoy eating at the restaurant or take it to go. Check out Ferris Steakhouse online at ferrissteakhouse.com. You can count on Ferris Steakhouse. See you there. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. We're talking to Cuyahoga County Council member Nan Baker, who is bringing us up to date on what's going on here in Cuyahoga County. And Nan, as always, thank you for joining us. Of course. It's always good to be with uh, with your show and updating those about Cuyahoga County and what we're doing. 
That's, oh, it's always good to hear because we need to keep our fingers on the pulse of what's going on. And again, we were talking about the last uh, segment about COVID and how the vaccination process is ongoing and will become more robust as uh, they open up for people under 65. The numbers, do you have any feel for how the numbers are? Are we experiencing the same drop in the number of new cases and hospitalizations that uh, other locations are experiencing? Yes. Uh, the good news is across the state of Ohio, and that certainly includes Cuyahoga County, the cases are dropping, uh, whether that's because of vaccines, whether it's because of the mask wearing and social distancing that everyone has been practicing, or whether there's just not a surge that we have experienced in the past for unknown reasons. Cases seem to go up and we don't always have the answers as to why. All of those variables right now, we're in a place where the cases are lower and uh, the more vaccines that we're able to administer, the lower those cases should go. That follows the hospitalizations and it also follows a lower uh, death rate. So all of that is good. And keep in mind that the, the intent to give those most vulnerable, those that are in congregate care, such as our nursing homes and um, group living and independent living, all of those were, were administered first. And that's where our highest potential of hospitalizations and deaths were. So it would be natural to think that we would be seeing numbers drop because we've taken care of those that were most vulnerable. Um, outside of that, we should start seeing the larger those that are been homebound and restaurants that have been shut down, uh, at least at a 50% occupancy. And, and of course, the curfew has been lifted, so we no longer have to worry about being home by 10. Um, all of that is all good news on a path that shows that we are going to be getting out of this. And um, so the answer is yes, the cases are lower and um, hopefully there aren't any variants or other type of things that we hear about that could make a difference. Right now we don't see it. And the important thing is when that vaccine is ready for you, please take it because that is their way, that's the ticket out. I, I agree. And the only other thing I heard do not back off on the distancing, washing your hands, and wearing the mask, just to keep it down because it is still out there. It's still novel to all of us who haven't had it yet. So things right. haven't changed since last March in that respect. But uh, then again, switching gears just a little bit with regard to how our county is functioning, uh, we talk about uh, the financial side of the house. And uh, when we talk about returning back to going out to restaurants, going to movies, and going to places where we can spend money. We're talking about sales tax. We're talking about money coming back to the government. How is that looking? Have you seen any change in finances here uh, where things are, are starting to improve? Right. As, you know, the curfew eases, as restaurants are able to bring more people into their place of business, as small businesses are able to continue doing what they do and in, in servicing uh, their patrons, all of that means economic success. So the more that we encourage employers to bring their employees back, the more that uh, we keep the protective pieces in place, but also 
try to bring some sense of normal uh, type of living back all means economic success. So the county is feeling the results of that. It's slow in coming. I mean, not just because you allow a restaurant to expand its hours doesn't mean that people are going to rush to a restaurant. They still, you know, are cautious. Um, you know, getting that feeling of freedom, I think, has been taken from us. And it may take a little while to to feel comfortable getting back out again. But anytime we go out and patronize uh, our stores and our restaurants and our um, sports bars and, and anything that uh, brings our retailer back to life, our hair salons, all of that. And, of course, we want to keep up on, on going to our dentist and getting our checkups and, and all those other uh, health issues that we also have delayed over this past year. All of that means economic success in helping uh, those that have been struggling terribly for the last uh, 10, 11 months. And even though there have been some successes with the government giving um, loans and grants, trying to keep doors open, it's still very difficult to, uh, to keep the doors open when they're at such a diminished pace. So all of that, the county, I think, is looking forward. They're looking optimistic. They think that 2021 is going to be a good year. Uh, we're only in February right now, but we're looking for warmer, better months. And even our um, our tourism arm is uh, encouraging people to consider Cleveland again for uh, all that we have to offer, waiting for this virus to finally leave our, our landscape and allow people to get back to their life again, which I think all are thinking at least by summer to early fall, we should be feeling a sense of independence. I said Independence Day, July 4th. I might be optimistic, but uh, I'm hoping that uh, by then we'll get our lives back. Well, I, I can't help but feel that there's a pent-up demand that uh, this pandemic, it's been a long journey out of darkness, and I have the strong feeling we're in the early hours of, of pre-dawn here. We're going to yes. start getting brighter and better news. The next time we talk to you, we'll get better news uh, still, I'm, I'm sure. But, I'm counting uh, on it. <laughs> well, you mentioned something that I, I wanted to make a uh, comment on. You mentioned small business. Uh, I just wanted to put a plug in for small businesses that the, the fact that small businesses really are the backbone of our economy. And I know that the small business people have been suffering and walking on eggshells throughout this pandemic that I think originally was thought to be only maybe about two weeks or a month. It turned out to be a year. Right. So that whenever possible, if we can go out and support our small local businesses, that's going to help us all get back to normal sooner than later. Right. And remember, our small businesses are your neighbors. They're people that you know. They're and your neighbors that hire your neighbors. So small businesses, uh, I believe, as you do too, are the backbone of our economy. And uh, we do need to make sure that even if it's a carryout, try that local restaurant down the street that doesn't have the big commercial name attached to it. But you've been in their restaurant. You know they serve good food. Um, try to patronize them through this difficult time. Uh, but because they are our neighbors, they're people that we know, they're people that have homes just like yours, 
that are trying to make ends meet and uh, have been hurt, as you said, uh, the most, I think. Small businesses have been hurt the most out of all of this. So that's a good point, Nick. I'm glad you raised it. Well, uh, we, we want to be back. Everybody's uh, struggling and looking forward to getting back to normal. Me, I have very simple requests. I'd like to be able to go to a restaurant when I want and go to see a movie with my wife. I think those are yeah. two nice things to do. If we can get at least back to that, you know, we'll, we'll be I okay. I said to my husband, we have, uh, we have concert tickets that is postponed, and we have uh, Cedar Point tickets that got extended for another year, which would be this year. And what else? We have restaurant coupons and gift cards that have not been used. So I said our 2021 should be a fun year because we have it, so much. It should be, sure. And for yeah. us, we have a lot of credits with the airlines yet for all the there you go that's right so, uh, that's... ready to cash in and all of that and get back to normal and getting that vaccination shot is uh, part way to getting that ticket to freedom yes, so uh, we all i'll need to do that so yes. well we'll have you back again next month as all time right. is flying by and we're going to have more good news so dan baker uh, real quick in, in a couple of seconds here is there uh, anything we can expect from the county between now and next month well, there's a lot in the hopper that we're, that we're working on. I mean, from the diversion center that's being um, outfitted right now, helping those um, transition to, uh, to life after coming out of uh, their sentencing. Um, well, let's hold up on that for, for next time. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, out, yeah we're out of time. <laughs> yes. Nan, Nan Baker, let's talk about Nan Baker. Thank you again for joining us tonight. You're welcome. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a good and safe and healthy week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind